Welcome to this episode of the Middle Market Growth Conversations podcast, where we look at the trends impacting mid-sized companies and the influencers behind their success. I'm Katie Mulligan, editor of ACG's magazine, Middle Market Growth. For this week's podcast, we'll look at the impact of the Me Too movement, which has shined a light on workplace sexual harassment and assault and prompted companies across industries to look more closely at their employees' behavior and who they hire. I'm joined today by Jim Mintz, the founder and CEO of Mintz Group, which conducts investigations into the backgrounds and reputations of individuals and companies. Jim has spent more than 30 years doing this work worldwide. Jim, thanks for joining me on the podcast. It's great to be here, Katie. How is the Me Too movement impacting the work that investigators like you do for, for corporate clients? Katie, we are, are really professional fact gatherers, and the Me Too movement is essentially an avalanche of allegations. Law firms and investigative firms like ours are very busy right now trying to get to the truth in hundreds of cases, way beyond what you see in the headlines. Uh, most of those cases, most of the investigations that uh, that our community is working on is uh, are still kind of below the radar. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, we are flooded with assignments to assure employers and investors that they're not hiring someone with a sexual misconduct problem. Hmm. What we do is we check the backgrounds and reputations of candidates while they're being considered for public company boards and C-suite positions. And our clients, the prospective employers and investors, are very concerned right now to make sure they don't bring on executives with undisclosed Me Too problems. Sure, and in many instances of sexual misconduct, these incidents aren't reported or they're covered by non-disclosure agreements. So how challenging is it to uncover these problems when you're checking a candidate's background? It's challenging indeed. Uh, First, let's acknowledge the brave women and some men who have blown the whistle on some genuinely predatory men in recent months. Um, our fact-gathering is impossible without that willingness to speak up. The challenge is there are many whistles that have not yet been blown, uh, stories buried in the heads of victims and witnesses. And the challenge for background checkers like us is keeping an eye out for red flags and then knocking on the right doors to hear those sort of buried stories. Hmm. I'll tell you how we start. We start by paying close attention to a person's social media and the sort of paper trails that anyone leaves behind in their adult life. It sounds obvious, for example, to say we check for uh, criminal cases, criminal records, wherever a guy has lived or worked. But it sounds obvious, but that's the very check that a Wall Street bank apparently uh, didn't do uh, and found after the headlines had already hurt them that that a broker, a senior broker, had restraining orders against him Hmm. by four different women. 
which led to some nasty headlines. One other uh, uh, clear point for us is that we need to check for any civil lawsuits, not just criminal matters, uh, in a person's past. A few months ago, a, a big media company, for example, hired a new boss and then had to suspend him after discovering a couple of sexual harassment suits against him down in the local courthouse. We even check websites like Glassdoor, which uh, provide uh, anonymous commentary on a workplace, uh, particularly when the guy we're checking was in charge of an office and its culture. What you don't want to see when you look, look in Glassdoor is descriptions of the office he ran, like, quote, frat boy atmosphere mm. or something like that. So those are a few of the red flags we look for on the web and in public records. And comments on a glass door or a lawsuit, obviously in, in those instances there's a paper trail, but I imagine that's probably not the case in, in every scenario, right? That's right. If you think back to some of the headline cases, many of them, uh, there was no uh, a public uh, acknowledgement uh, that there had been an issue. What we recommend particularly if we've turned up sort of red flags like frat boy atmosphere, quote-unquote. Um, what we recommend is that our clients let us do some discreet asking around among former colleagues. We had a former uh, executive we, we called, uh, called her up uh, to ask for insights into a, uh, a fellow that had been a, a former colleague of hers and she, and she said, look, I never reported that guy, but now that you're asking me affirmatively, I'm not going to lie. Hmm. Every woman in the office knew never to be alone with him. Uh, so that, that is the real way to get at what's often hidden, is to, is to ask around. Uh, the need to ask around among former colleagues is being talked about a lot in our business. For example, National Public Radio had an incident like this, and they asked a law firm to look back at its hiring of a top executive who had blown up over Me Too allegations. And that was one of the law firm's recommendations. They published their, their report. As part of future background checks, NPR, we think you should, quote, unquote, conduct inquiries about prior sexual harassment issues. Hmm. And it seems like one of the tricky things about investigating in this space is a lot of times there's only two parties involved and there might be conflicting stories. You know, there's an allegation that's then disputed by the other person and you don't have a, a third person to weigh in. How do you go about investigating allegations that, that sort of play out that way? That's where uh, this kind of interviewing that we've been talking about really uh, kicks in. Um, Based on our experience in recent months, uh, I would bet that for every headline Me Too case you're reading about, there are dozens or hundreds of kind of quiet investigations going on inside companies right now. Uh, what's setting off all these uh, investigations? Sometimes it's, it's a, as you say, a kind of a he said, she said situation over you know, what's claimed to be abusive. Uh, but that's not the only thing that's setting off these investigations. It's not just whistleblowing 
we get calls from clients who say, hey, uh, over here at uh, the company, we've lived for years with the rumor that Bob is having an affair with his assistant. But it's not just Bob's risk anymore uh, in, in, the, in the light of you know, today's atmosphere. This could blow up in the company's face. Mm-hmm. We have to get to the bottom of this. And it seems like investigating sexual harassment or misconduct can be pretty resource intensive, especially when you're talking about a small company. So would you say that it's the case that this type of high level due diligence is really only available to to larger firms, Fortune 500 companies? No, uh, a number of the uh, of our clients in these matters are um, are are way smaller than that. Um, I don't uh, we do a lot of work for law firms. I don't mean to compete with them, but sometimes when a smaller company uh, hears the budget that a you know fancy law firm wants to charge for an investigation like this, they they uh, end up coming to a firm like ours, an investigative firm, not a law firm, hmm. where the costs are considerably uh, less, and they don't maybe they don't need a fancy report to a fancy board. Uh, they're really just looking to uh, do the right thing based on the facts. Uh, so we probably get more of the middle market than the big law firms do. And how are you seeing those middle market companies respond to the Me Too movement that we're in today? Do they know how to screen for candidates for sexual harassment or misconduct, or have they been caught a little bit flat-footed? I think the world has been caught flat-footed, so I wouldn't say that any (laughs) particular folks have um, the standards for how companies need to react to these situations has really really moved just in the last remember it was just october i think that that the uh, the first of these broke so um without uh casting any uh criticism on anybody the, the fact is people are really uh challenged and and uh and changing the sort of intensity with which they're uh looking at at candidates with uh with this in mind although let's not forget you know background checking there's a, a number of, of issues that uh, that one wants to check for, uh, and um, and Me Too is, is just one of them. But I think it reminds people that uh, that there there's a real role for background checking, not just a box checking role, not just you know let's make sure this person's never been indicted, but let's actually get to know this person before we tie our company's reputation to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, we, we do uh, uh, you know work for executive recruiting firms who are uh, uh, pushing someone forward for a public company board, or not just public companies, a middle market as well. And uh, uh, and and there, of course, uh, uh, the company's reputation will uh, will ride on uh, uh, on this person. So it's it's uh, uh, it's kind of a reminder, I think, that that there's a real role for background checking. Uh, before deals and before hires. And what are some of the key things that companies get wrong or miss with respect to vetting a job candidate or or a board member for a history of inappropriate behavior? Well, uh, there is a lot of confusion about uh, what uh, on social media can be checked before you uh, uh, make the final commitment to someone. Uh, there are uh, considerations. Uh, one can't bring forward things that one learns on, on, on a person's social media that has to do
do with race or uh, sexual orientation or, or things of that kind. Uh, and there are uh, rules about uh, that the, the conduct uh, needs to be associated with, uh, or some some expectation that the conduct you'd be bringing forward is, is you know might impact work. So the confusion about uh, these uh, really what end up being minor restrictions on one's looking at social media, the confusion about that causes some uh, middle market companies to. Uh, uh, to, to decline to look at, at a person's social media altogether. And that, that really is a mistake. There's great insight that can be gained uh, uh, about people from uh, uh, their presence online, as well as the paper they leave behind. You know, we, in the in investigation and the background checking business, we, we talk about checking the, the paper trails that people leave behind, but the trouble uh, these days is that it's not on paper anymore, it's online. Mm-hmm. And looking a bit beyond hiring, in the case of a private equity investment or an M&A transaction where you're looking at investing in or buying a company, how should these types of considerations factor into due diligence? What should acquirers be be looking at in terms of sexual harassment or any type of history of allegations? We do a great deal of work for the private equity community. And in our experience, uh, that community is taking uh, the Me Too uh, situations extremely seriously and the background checking on let's say the management team of a prospective uh, portfolio company uh, is very that kind of checking is very similar to uh, the kind of uh, checking uh, one might do and before hiring someone it's you know we think of kind of pre-deal background checking and pre-hire background checking as being uh, pretty close to each other in the sense that you really are tying yourself to this person, rather, right? Whether they're going to sit on your board or or uh, run your finance department or run your new portfolio company, and um, and the concern about uh, not inheriting a, a kind of a time bomb from a person's previous uh, activities, uh, sexual harassment activities, that concern cuts across pre-deal and pre-hire. We find. No, it's definitely something that I know is on the mind of a lot of HR departments and, and private equity firms alike. So um, I think this is really helpful information as we try to understand how to how to respond in this Me Too moment. So uh, with that, I think we'll end it there. Jim, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Katie, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Middle Market Growth Conversations. Subscribe to the podcast in the iTunes store where you can listen to past episodes and hear the next episode in two weeks. While you're there, we'd love if you could rate the show and leave a review to help listeners find out about us. After you've rated the podcast, head over to our website, middlemarketgrowth.org for more stories about successful mid-sized companies and middle market M&A.